Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode number 77 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about bamboo fly fishing rods. Fly fishing. Fly fishing is huge. You know, I'm real big on investigating the size of a particular market before I buy anything because I want to know who the customers are going to be. And in looking into fly fishing, bamboo fly fishing rods, Fly fishing in general is just immense. It's an immense industry. There are fly fishing resorts and schools. There are private guides everywhere in the Rocky Mountains and the the Amazon rainforest, the Great Lakes, Canada, the Caribbean, the eastern U.S. mountains. They're everywhere. So there's a large body of people who collect anything having to do with fly fishing. Some folks will be generalists if it has to do with fly fishing, if it's a rod or a reel or or flies or other kind of equipment, they'll collect any of it. And then there are specialty collectors. There are collectors who focus on flies or fly making, and there are others who collect rods uh, others who collect reels. So it's it's really big. There's a lot of people interested in it on eBay in looking up the uh, sold items. When I, I searched bamboo fly rod, there are over 1,200 results for bamboo fly rods that were sold in the past 90 days. Wow. And that's, that's a lot of, uh, of equipment. The same search in WorthPoint, bamboo fly rods, brought up 5,696 results. So it's very active. The problem for most people is they don't know anything about fishing <laughs> or they don't know anything about rods uh, or, or associated equipment. Uh, how about you, Dan? Are you a, a fly fisherman or what's your experience with fishing in general? Well, I, I grew up loving to fish. I had, as when I got older, I got my own John boat, you know, so I could go out. But where I grew up, we had quarries and we had lakes, but there was uh, a quarry that was called the South Wilmington Fisherman's Club. And that's where I belong. It was a beach club. And in Illinois, in Illinois, a beach club. Right. Right. So, <laughs> Imagine that. Okay. So it, that's where I learned to swim. It's where I learned to fish and dive and, and all that. But there were um, quarry pits, basically, all these quarry mm-hmm. pits that filled up with water and they turned it into a, a fisherman's club. And it was a lot of fun. But the excitement was when you would go fishing there is to take your um your prize down to the bait shop because everybody there was only one bait shop and you would take your prize down to the bait shop and they would take your photograph with an instamatic camera and then they would put it up on the wall of fame and so my dream was always to have my picture on that wall and it wasn't until i was (laughs) 
until my kids were at least 10 before I finally had the day when I caught that fish. And I was like a crazy person throwing the fish in the, in the bucket, running down, you know, driving quickly to the bait shop and saying, I finally did it. I caught a fish for the, you know, I could be on the wall of fame. And he was so happy for me. He took my picture and he put it up and he actually did a little write up in, in the local newspaper because it took me 20 some years to catch a fish big enough to go on the wall of fame. Cool. What kind of fish was it? I don't remember. <laughs> the swim in the water kind, right? I don't remember. It's probably a bluegill or something, but it was it was pretty big. Well, good. I'm glad you did that. You know, of course, it's probably not still a bait shop there because I don't think they're calling it bait anymore. No? No, no. These days they call it sushi. <laughs> I learned to fish with my grandfather with a, a bamboo fishing rod back then. Right. But we didn't really do the fly. I don't recall doing the actual fly fishing motion where, you know, you picture fly fishing, you think you've got the wader boots and, you know, you're in the bamboo creel on your side and out in the middle of the river. That's what I picture. I used to daydream about that when I was a kid. I grew up, promise the listeners we'll we'll get to uh, bamboo rods and fly fishing rods in just a minute. But uh, I grew up around the Chesapeake Bay and the Atlantic Ocean. So I was always, you know, I would fish from boats or off of piers or, or stand on the beach and, and do surf fishing with one of those great big monster rods. But none of those were bamboo. They were all fiberglass or some kind of composite uh, to handle the, the fish that you'd find in, in the ocean uh, or in the bay. And... I, I really enjoyed fishing there, but I would have dreams of of standing out in the river and my waders with my fly fishing <laughs> rod, and and uh, I just always thought that was so so snazzy. At one point, I even looked at uh, school to go to taking a taking a class and yeah. fly fishing because I did the you know the standard spinning reel kind yeah. of, of fishing. It's interesting if I was if I were sitting on a beach and just sitting there staring out into the water for hours, folks would think that I was either crazy or lazy. But you put a fishing rod in my hand and suddenly I'm a sportsman. <laughs> That's what I like about about fishing. I don't care if I it would be nice when I catch something, but I don't always. But yeah, fly fishing has always been a dream of mine. I haven't done any. I've had friends that have done it mm-hmm. and spent long conversations with them, you know, talking about differences and that sort of thing. Because fly fishermen, once they've become good fly fishermen, they did not want to talk about getting into a boat and going out uh, onto the bay to catch bluegills. That was yeah. just, you know, they wanted a stream and they wanted trout. It just sounded so romantic to me. fly fishing i know today we're talking about rods but at some point it'd be fun to talk about lures and and different because that's a whole nother topic oh it is and and the reels the reels are different yes the 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 fishing line is different because it's it's tapered and uh, yeah there's a lot of lot to talk about there let's get into some of the specifics of bamboo fly rods if you're out 
at a sale, an estate sale or garage sale, yard sale, something like that, and you come upon these rods, chances are that unless you're a fly fisherman, you're not going to know a thing about them. Yeah. So you need, but some of these things, especially the antique ones, antique custom-made rods can sell for thousands of dollars. The cheap Asian rods that you pick up at Walmart, be lucky to get 10 bucks for them. But you need to know the difference mm -hmm. in order to decide whether it's something you want to buy and flip. So here's how I suggest you look at bamboo fly fishing rods when you go out, if you find them. First of all, not all fly fishing rods are bamboo, but most of the traditional ones are. And the first thing to realize about bamboo is it's not wood. It's, it's a grass. Uh, and when they make these rods, they're made in a hexagonal shape. So it has lots of flat sides to it. And like most, most fishing rods, it's, it's tapered. But it comes in sections. And the first thing to do when you're looking at a rod is uh, ensure that you've got all the sections. Yep. And the only way to tell that is to put it together. So most of them are three sections. Some of them are two. Many of the better rods have four sections, but the top section has two tip sections because the tip sections often get damaged or are broken because you do a cast and it gets caught in the trees or, or whatever. Okay, Dana, this is a good spot to take a break for a word from our sponsor. So let's do that and we'll be right back. Hey, eBay sellers, it pays to know what you've got and what it's worth. That's why you need WorthPoint. WorthPoint.com is the world's largest resource for pricing antiques and collectibles with millions of items, photos, and sold-for prices. With their free mobile app for iPhone and Android, you can carry the power of WorthPoint right in your pocket wherever you go. For a 7-day, seven 7-look-up seven free trial, go to WorthPoint.com. Okay, we're back. Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford. And we're talking about bamboo fly fishing rods. Let's pick up where we left off. Put the rod together. And while you're putting it together, there are lots of things you can notice. The first thing is look at the rod overall. You know, you've the rod won't have a reel on it. The reel is something separate. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at a rod, line up all of the eyes, guides, the little round things that you put the fishing line through. Okay. Make sure they're all lined up. And uh, as you put the rod together, make sure that the pieces are straight. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if a rod's been sitting in the garage or basement for years, they, they will warp. Yep. And, you know, you know that will affect the, the fishability of the rod. So make sure all the, the pieces are there. And as you put it together, for example, if you've got two tip sections that the tip sections are the same length. If one is longer than the other, then either one of them goes to another rod or it's been broken and repaired. So you want to make sure that the tip sections are, are the same length. The next thing that you want to do as you're putting it together is take a look at the finish on the rod. Bamboo rods are varnished, and if the varnish is in good condition, uh, it should be shiny. So wipe some of the dust off and make sure the shine is still there. 
But if you're looking at a section and part of it's shiny and then you've got little dull spots on it, take your fingernail and poke down into the, the dull spot. And if that spot moves, then the finish is peeling up there. And, th and that means the rod needs to be refinished. And unless you're a collector and unless it's a really fine rod, you don't want to get into the expense of rebuilding one. Uh, there are lots of good uh, restoration shops for that sort of thing around. It's not really a do-it-yourself job on a quality rod. Once you've got all of these uh, parts put together, then start looking at the tips and the, the guides and make sure that each guide has the same number of wraps on both sides and from one to the next and they look like they're the same material and it's real obvious if they're not. It's real obvious if someone has patched it. Uh, as each section goes together there's a, a metal ferrule and you want to make sure that that's in good condition and that the parts uh, go in easily and once they're in that they're firm. You don't want something that's uh, wiggling. Uh, you want to make sure that the cane isn't split, that there's no splits in it. Those are the things you need to look for in a bamboo rod. Well, I see those at every single treasure hunt I've ever been on with Worth Point. There are always bamboo rods. I see them. And at the antique shows, at the extravaganzas, at the big, the big ones. Now, I don't see them at Salvation Army that I recall, but I have seen them at um, events, and they're always in a corner or they're, you know, up front. Sometimes they're under a table, that kind of thing. And I know when I had my grandfather's, they came apart. And like you said, it's really important to check the to the sections on them. But I've also seen them with um, repair work where it would be like um, almost like a putty that right. they would rub a putty on them and then try to seal up a crack or something like that. So you do have to really investigate to check it out so that you list it properly. But the good thing is they're easy to ship. Right. You know, they come apart and you can put them in those priority mail tubes that are come in two different sizes. So depending on your rod, of course, you want to wrap bubble wrap around it. But still, it's really convenient to put them in those priority mail tubes that are actually triangle triangle tubes. Right. That is an easy way to ship it. Cheap new rods. Asian rods, most of them will come with the rod only in a box. Oh. A wooden, like a wooden box. It's also very common to find them in what looks like essentially round mailing tubes, cardboard tubes. You can also find them in a sack. Now, with my, I had a, although I didn't have a bamboo fly fishing rod, I did have what's called an, an ultra light kit. It was very small. A spinning rod and reel. Mm -hmm. It had four pound test, and the idea was that you could go out into a mountain stream or something and and fish with it, and it would be somewhat challenging mm -hmm. rather than going out there with a a big rod where as soon as that fish bites down on it, you're dead. He's <laughs> dead, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I did have one of those, and it came in a bag, you know, a nylon bag, and then the bag with the rod in it, went into 
the tube. Uh, the tube for mine was vinyl, plastic, something like that. Hard, hard vinyl. Oh, right. Caps. PVC. Yeah. Well, something similar to that. It had caps on both ends. A good rod, especially a custom rod, an older custom rod, is going to have a bag and it's going to have some kind of hard container that you put the rod in the bag in. Mm-hmm. A custom rod will also have the manufacturer's name on it. Of course, even mass-produced ones these days have the manufacturer's name on it. But if you look at the name on the rod and it's you know a cheap one like Shakespeare or a better one like uh, Orvis, those are easy to find online. You can go into WorthPoint database or eBay or or whatever and look those up easily and and find the value of them. But if you have in your hand what appears to be a good rod and you look online and you can't find anything about it on a database, try doing a general Google search because chances are good it's a custom rod maker. And custom vintage and antique bamboo fly fishing rods sell for five figures depending on yeah, depending on who the, the maker was. It's like musical instruments. I mean, it's it's fine craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And those, to my way of thinking, are the the collectible ones. Mm-hmm. Those aren't ones that you're going to go out and and take over to the state park and wade out into the stream and, and fish yeah. with, although you, you certainly could. Uh, also, on at sales, uh, my favorite place to, to find fishing equipment is an estate sale. If you go into an estate and the decedent was a, a fisherman, a hobbyist, the place is going to be jammed with all kinds of stuff because it's like musicians, you know, they just, uh, they are buying constantly and you find, uh, you know, walls lined with rods and drawers with uh, various things in it. And, and it's just a great place to shop. And the chances are good that the people doing the sale, especially if it's the family, the, the administrator mm-hmm. or executor, chances are good they don't know much about it. Yeah. And they'd be willing to take an offer on it all. But those are, that's like finding Pharaoh's gold or pirate's <laughs> treasure or something like that in, in my mind. <laughs> well, this is quite a fisherman's tale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I have lots of fishermen's tales, but unfortunately they don't have anything to do with bamboo fly rods. <laughs> Well, what about the fish that got away? I mean, it was this big. <laughs> really? Well, that's a small one. Mine was <laughs> this big. Oh my goodness! I would have been happy with a brook trout, truthfully. Most of the <laughs> most of the time spent fishing, I lived with my father and my grandfather, and sometimes with friends. And I I took my both my I was a Boy Scout, and so were my boys. And we used to go fishing in various places, but I spent all my time when they were little keeping their, uh, keeping bait on their hooks yeah. and keeping their hook, keeping their hooks out of my back. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And since I moved to Florida, it's like I need either a big boat or a very tall dock because I won't go near the lakes. The gators just are everywhere. If there's water in Florida, there's definitely a gator. So there's. I just stay clear, but I have gone out on the ocean. I haven't had um, a good 
run of a good fishing adventure on the ocean, which on the Gulf, which I really want to do. Have you, have you fished on the ocean or Gulf? Well, the Atlantic ocean, uh-huh. uh, never, never, never in the Gulf. Yeah. Uh, Chesapeake Bay quite a bit. Oh, sure. But I mean, going offshore, like really. Well, just the Atlantic ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But those, those are, uh, Fishing tours, uh, oh, right. mainly at a resort or something yeah. where you pay to go on and yeah. go out there and then, you know, struggle yeah. to catch a fish and in the first place and in the second place, struggle to keep your lunch down. <laughs> <laughs> well, fly fishing is a completely different kettle of fish, as they say. It, it is. And, and I just, one of the uh, regrets that I have, and I guess I'll have to do something about that is that I never learned to do it. I, I, and it just looks so cool and so relaxing. So maybe I'll find myself a course and that's right. learn something about it and go down here to the, the new river and do it, Wayne. See what I can catch. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Send pictures. I'll do that. Okay, Dana, here we are at the end of episode number 77 about bamboo fly fishing rods. And I've just had plenty of fish tails for the day. <laughs> so uh, I won't offer you any more a verbal bait and uh, we'll wrap it up. It's been real. Yes. Have a good week. Thank you. Happy fishing. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. WorthPoint.